0: All right, it's it's official we are recording right now. These are the stories behind the Stories and Scars album by Anna Widget.
1: Hey, this is Anna. Welcome to episode 7 of the Tell Me Something True podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewed by my friend Chris, who you might also recognize as the voice from the intros. Chris is a multi-talented artist, musician, and storyteller. I've valued his thoughtful perspective for as long as I've known him, and perhaps never more than when I was on my long international trip, and Chris made a practice of calling to check in on me, asking questions that made me think, and listening patiently as I, an admittedly slow processor, came up with answers in real time. Since then, Chris has started an interview-based podcast called Guest Friends, which is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Forms, also see links in the show notes. We did this interview in person and Chris brought his own recording equipment and also directed the interview like the semi-professional that he is. So in addition to being the interview with the best sound quality, this is also the most formal interview of this collection. I hope you enjoy this effect as much as I do. Alright, let's get started.
0: Anna, I know you have a strong attachment to place, so where were you when you first had the idea for this song? Fill, fill our senses a bit. What were the sounds, the smells, the visuals?
1: Okay. Um, let's see the order in which this comes into my head. It would have been February or March or April of 2017. I was in Asila, Morocco, and Asila is a beach town about an hour from Tangier, so it's in the north of Morocco. Um, warm, they speak Spanish, there are markets and there's sand and beaches everywhere. Uh, it smells like spices that I don't know the names of. but um, And it was windy, lightly windy, but on its way to becoming more windy, which Is a relevant detail it turns out.
0: Do you remember when the first time you played it for others was?
1: Uh, I think it would have been I love, okay, I'm gonna scaffold myself here. So I left Morocco in in April and then I would have come back to Michigan for a week in May and I believe I played the song one time at an open mic in May in Michigan And that might be the only time I've ever performed it live
0: How easily did it come together for you?
1: The performing it or the writing it?
0: Uh, the writing it
1: It came quickly I think during those days, especially during my few months in Morocco I would have an idea for a song and then have a song a few hours later, usually. Um, so this one, I had some some pent up angst, and I wrote some things down. And I'd say within a few hours, I had my rough draft, and that is the state it stayed in until I kind of came back and revisited it to put on to put on this album.
0: How do you keep track of your song ideas? Do you hum into your voice memos? Do you scribble in a journal? Do you just is it just straight repetition that gets you know ingrained in your memory?
1: All of the above.
2: <laughs> um,
1: I think for writing, usually if I have. Usually the first thing I will do is hum something or sing something into voice memos, and then usually those things sound terrible, and off pitch. As soon as possible, I'll get with an instrument and try to play something and maybe write some lyrics, uh, but when I get to that. Point of the process, I'll sit there and do it over and over again until I have something that I think is worth keeping, and then I might let it sit for a year. But um, in that moment, it'll take a couple hours. What? How do I want this to sound? What do I want the words to be? But my best, um, it'll be preserved in its best form on voice memos because I lose the paper. <laughs>
0: So, how did the title come about? Did you have that
1: from the get-go? I think this is one of those songs where the song, I just made a title out of some words, and the chorus came first. And since I say except when in the chorus, well, Okay. So, because I say it a lot. That's one reason why I think it was the title, but also except when is the pivotal phrase <laughs> at least in the chorus and maybe in the song. So,
0: so I, you know, I was just briefly thinking about except and you, and you go with the e x c e p sorry, let me say it except e x c e p t which means exclusion or excluding and there could also be the accept as in the ACCEPT um, to receive agree or consent to. Yes. Did you did you think about that at all or
1: um maybe not so explicitly but it does work with what was in my head and what was happening.
0: I want to take a look into the lyrics of the song a little bit to see what we can shed some more light on. Okay. So I'm Even though you start the song with a chorus, we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, but but I wanna get right into the verses. So uh, the the first line in verse one is, they asked how I knew I was doing right. Who's the they?
2: Well,
1: this song, so it's, they're not all true, (laughs) first of all. This one is mostly true, there is some poetic license, but this, in this particular moment, I would have been. I had just kind of made a major deviation from my travel plans, and I told some of my friends about it and my my parents, and people were pretty skeptical. <laughs> so I guess that they would be people who uh, love and worry about me back home. <laughs>
0: uh, at at the end of the first verse, uh, you say here, I just came here believing in a dream. Yes. All right, so what's the dream?
1: Well, so before I came to Asila, I was in Morocco, I was in a different town in Morocco, which was a smaller beach town about the size of a high school, I mean, population-wise. And there was a lot of drama and things got a little bit, I felt a little claustrophobic and I heard about Asila. And like, it was pitched to me, Kind of like if you like Tagazut, you'll like Asila. It's another beach town, but it's better, and there's more to do, and there are more people, and it's close to Spain. And it sounded perfect and wonderful and freeing. And so, and I, I googled it a little bit, but there's not as much information about it as about most of the other places I traveled to. So I had in my head this idea of all the wonderful things that I would do and see when I got there.
0: So in verse 2, in the middle of verse 2, you you say you have to make something for yourself in this town. So are you talking about Asila?
1: Asila is this town, yes. Okay.
0: Towards the end uh, of verse 2, you say, well, well, okay, let me back up. At the beginning of that verse, you reference the they again. Mm -hmm. So those who care about you and worry about you. Sure." and they they're asking what will you do now yes and i get a little bit from here where i mean you're saying that i've got it under control so it's kind of but there's a juxtaposition of trying to externally show that you're in control you know you're in a foreign land you know like you've just changed plans you know you're you're solo traveling you know so so there's that external showing you're in control versus the actually probably freaking out on the inside where all you can do, as you say in the song, is pray and hope. Yes. Can you elaborate a bit on that?
1: I think that I... Well, there are two things. One of them is like primarily my concern was not to make people worry about me. Um, Especially from so far away when there's nothing they could do, but worry Um, So I wanted to reassure everybody. It'll be fine. It'll be fine Um, Which I said probably (laughs) Um, but then I am I mean I can be cynical, but I In some ways I'm very optimistic person and so I kind of also did believe like what's the well Bad things can happen, but I didn't really believe the terrible things were gonna happen to me and they didn't for the record Um, but So part of it is wanting to project this, it's okay. Part of it's kind of believing it's okay. But then I did know that I didn't know much of anything. I was not able to Google much. I did not have contacts there. I didn't have a lot. I mean, I, I decided to make this trip, this change a few weeks before I did it. And all the rest of the trip I planned months before I did it. So I felt this kind of juxtaposition internally and thought I would just ignore it until this song came out.
0: So in The Bridge, you say, I know that I'm living everybody's dream. So what dream of others were you living in that moment?
1: I think I just, I was referring generally to the solo travel in tropical warm places and it was February and I was on a beach and people told me, this is my dream life. I'm living vicariously. So, I did feel like I had a responsibility to have a good time or at least look like I was having a good time for the people back home or in my head or on social media.
0: So how many of those people did you encourage to do their own trip or to to join you or had some of those people done similar things before?
1: I encourage everyone to do it, although I don't know that I don't really expect that they will um, I I didn't seriously encourage anyone to join me. Um, and a few. there are a few people who are travelers who follow, but then a lot of people who like the idea of it, and I want them to like the idea of it, because I want them to like it, but um, you know, sometimes you can't breathe.
0: <laughs> so you, you have the line in the bridge, smile and fake it. Mm-hmm. In the original demo version that I've heard, you say, smile and take it. Yes. So what led to the change from smile and take it to smile and fake it?
1: Smile and take it is what came to my head. That's what I wrote about originally. Um, but on reflection, I mean, even as I read it, I knew, but I was in a dramatic mood at the, kind of at the moment. The um, smile and take it definitely feels abusive. Um, potentially, and I, it felt that way to me. And I generally didn't feel like, and didn't want to paint myself as the victim of some kind of abuse or even of my circumstances. I was not a victim, but I was kind of a, just get through the awkwardness or through the uncomfortable times. Like I was choosing to put myself or to, to walk through some circumstances that were a little uncomfortable for me. And so I thought, and to put on uh, a beautiful social media presentation the whole time while I was doing it. So I thought that Smile and Fake It would still maybe sound a little bit uncomfortable, but not like I was being harmed because I wasn't.
0: All right, so now we get to the chorus, which you actually lead the song off with. Yes. Was, when you initially wrote the song, was the chorus always at the beginning?
1: Yes. Um, I, get, I, I might have been going through a fa- phase, I'll say, at the time of doing chorus-first songs, and that's because the chorus... The chorus is like the heart of the song, that's what I had, and then I put trappings around it to make it into a full song, but the chorus, especially in this one, is the whole point. So I wanted to start with it, end with it, sing it four times. So
0: the chorus is, except when I can't breathe, everything is going perfectly. Except when I can't sleep, I don't regret anything. What are a few moments when you can't breathe or can't sleep?
1: Well, the the can't breathe part is definitely more metaphorical. Um... I mentioned that I felt claustrophobic in Tagazut, and part of it was the idea of there not really being much privacy. Everybody would know, oh, that's that foreigner, and this is who she had tea with yesterday, and that's what she's doing, and everybody just knew everything, um, and was always watching. And Astila was bigger, but I was still that girl who lives in that apartment, um, and. I felt, I don't know if pressure's, pressure's not the right word, but something akin to this kind of something heavy on me that's making me take shallower breaths. So uh, when I said except when I can't breathe, it's just that some moments I felt still kind of trapped or not able to fully express myself or be myself um, in the way that I had gotten accustomed doing earlier in the trip, honestly. Uh, Except when I can't sleep, is was quite literal i did not sleep very well (laughs) um especially in that place in that apartment the way things go in morocco um almost everyone is supposed to be situated in such a way that they will hear the calls to prayer five times a day and there is one before dawn to get people up into the mosque so that did happen every day but also um the time of year it was, and geographically where it was located, it was starting to get very windy, and I had loose windows in my apartment, and they would clatter through the night, and I would <laughs> keep waking up afraid that somebody's breaking in, or the apartment's going to fall down, <laughs> or <laughs> something like that. So I generally just slept badly for two months, and that probably added to the, the sense of discomfort and feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, discomfort.
0: In, in your lyric notes the very end of the song, you have an ad-lib. Mm-hmm. So ultimately you ended up filling that with a bunch of no's. Yes. So what what's up with, with all the no's <laughs> what's at the up end with of the, the song?
1: Nose. Um, I think, so except when I can't breathe, everything's going perfectly, I don't regret anything, all that, that's true. But also true, is the get rid of the accept one, I can't breathe, and I can't sleep. And the no's are a reaction to that. I know I had turned it into an upbeat song, but the no's were actually me feeling kind of desperate. Like, no, it's not really okay. Like, it kind of is, but kind of, no. (laughs) I'm not okay with this.
0: So you mentioned earlier that this song was mostly true. So I'm going to ask, what's the percentage of autobiographical versus fiction?
1: I didn't say, I'm pretty sure I didn't smugly say to anyone, sometimes you just know, but I did rely on my gut instinct in the face of not having a lot of facts when I decided to go to Asila. and this kind of the whole conversational aspect, these words were not really spoken, but the sentiments were there. Nobody said, "Don't do this. I think you're crazy," which I appreciate. But there is definitely some, "But why this place? What are you going to do there? Uh, you had a co-working space at the other place. Is there a co-working space here?" And I kind of just um spouted platitudes or something. So <laughs> that's kind of the, the interplay of mostly autobiographical. So I know you have
0: a narrative background and you've, you like to write novels. Yes. How did you make the adjustment to writing short form song lyrics? And, and was there anybody that you looked to to help you in that that process?
1: Um. I won't – well, I guess I'm still in the process, so I'm not sure exactly. But it was hard for me to t- try to start writing songs because I wasn't used to trying to tell any kind of story in <laughs> fewer than 50,000 words. <laughs> but um, when I was traveling, it was a goal of mine to write songs. I thought I couldn't be a real singer if I didn't, which is a different discussion. But Uh, what happened, I think, was that I was out of my comfort zone and I was feeling an elevated intensity of emotions, maybe, and I didn't have time to craft the kind of story that I wanted to. I just had a thing to say, and that thing might have been a chorus. (laughs) And so I wrote that, and then after that, um, I felt that it needed to be a song, it was not going to be a novel, I don't quite know what to do with poems, so I, I just tried to force it into <laughs> to being a song, and then it kept happening. Um, but for now, now that I'm not in those si- situations anymore, or those, those circumstances, then I think I do need to start thinking about strategically or narratively what does it mean and what do I want it to mean and what kind of path will things take. I don't want every song I write to be because I'm under so much stress. But that is where this album came from.
0: (laughs) So I know that you've made it a point, especially over the last several years, to do brave things. Yes. Right? You you know, you did the solo traveling. That was was an intentional effort. Uh, You know, making this album, an intentional effort. Within making the album you had a chance to collaborate with professional musicians. Yes. I'd imagine that's, that's intimidating. How, <sighs> how, how did you brave yourself through that and just what was the process like from your perspective?
1: Um, it was scary. I think it, it goes back to, for me, not that professional musicians are scary people, but my own insecurity of, am I allowed to do this? <laughs> Um, am I good enough to do this? So I did definitely look for a studio where I thought the people, the engineers and things like that were less intimidating than they otherwise could be. Um, when I got assigned to Jim the engineer, as I'm calling him, I looked online and found a YouTube video of him doing an interview about his process of the studio and how he um, likes to work with young or new recording artists to help them feel comfortable so that they can you know, make their music organically and not have the stress kind of get in the way of their sound. So that was very encouraging to me. So when I went into the studio, at least I had that, <laughs> and he did that, um, tried to make me and everybody feel very comfortable. And he has like a laid back personality. So it was, we're here to make some music, but you can take your time. We'll get there. And I tried to really believe it and not let myself get in my head about these people. You know, they've heard such better music than I'm making right now or something like that.
0: I've had a chance to listen to both the demo version and the final mix version of Accepts Win. And there are a few smaller scale differences I'd say But it seems to stick pretty true to your initial vision. Um, I I noticed, like, you know, there's on the demo version, you do mostly finger picking. On the final version, you do mostly strumming. Um, But describe what the process was like getting this song from the starting line to the finish line.
1: Well, this song is unique in that this is the last song that joined the lineup for it to be on the CD. It was not in my the first three iterations of what I thought the city was going to be like. And I'm pretty sure, as I mentioned, I had only uh, performed it once. And so when I was trying to find something else that would fit together with the other things that wouldn't be too repetitive, I looked back in my voice memos (laughs) and I saw this one. And because I hadn't done anything with, with it, I hadn't developed it anymore in my head either. I just listened to it and thought, oh, it's pretty finished, I suppose. Maybe I'll just record this as is. I had to do a little work with the bridge, which I think I had, I'm not sure, I might have done that um, in May of 17 before I open mic'd it, I don't remember, but um, I essentially just listened to it and then shared it with the musicians and we recorded it just like that. So. It's had less done to it, or changed over time than any of the other songs on the album. But I think that it was a pretty clear representation of what I wanted to say then, and some of the other songs weren't. So, that's how it worked out.
0: Did you record the guitar part to a click or a rhythm track? Because I know there's, it doesn't start off with any percussion, um, a little bit later in the song, there's there's a percussion element that comes in in the form of a shaker. Or, or did you play it by feel?
1: Well, I didn't play the guitar on this one. So um, I had my friend Steve playing guitar and my friend Kyle playing percussion, which was brown packing paper. But okay. um, we did play to a click, which almost all of the songs on the album are played to a click, which gave me a lot of comfort. The engineers are of the mind, which makes sense that sometimes that can make things too stilted, but for me it was comfortable. And this song, I think, I told them what I wanted. Kyle single-handedly came up with this paper bag idea for percussion, because I told him to be creative. And um, we just ran it through a few times and it came together, more so than almost Maybe more more so than almost all of the other songs. Um, So for a song that I was kind of nervous about putting out there because I was saying things like I'm okay, which I don't say anywhere else on the album, or I'm not okay, it was very easy to make, to pick it up and to give it to the musicians. And we played it together a couple times and all the takes were pretty good. There were a few things where they couldn't read my mind, but otherwise um, it was user-friendly, so that made me feel comfortable about keeping it.
0: What's your favorite moment in the song?
1: The after the after the bridge when I do that kind of low thing doing low things is also a phase like a phase I was in. Maybe maybe I'll keep doing that. But um, that's I think for me the the time especially when I was writing it but even since then when I was able to be the most emotionally authentic I think Um, the other parts were I'm okay mom I'm okay dad (laughs) but the except when I can't breathe when it's kind of low and I feel kind of um, less controlled I liked it because it felt like a relief to be able to express myself that way and I think It worked out too in the song it didn't ruin the song or anything for me to let loose a little bit so
0: after going through the process of writing and rewriting and the process of recording and re-recording yes what's your relationship with the song now
1: i'm fine with it (laughs) um i was i think i was afraid of it before uh or afraid of the effect of being that honest, but I'm not afraid of it anymore. I kind of even enjoy it. So I think in the future I will perform it again when I get back into, into doing the performance circuits.
0: Where do you see this song fitting in?
1: This song has a particularly important place actually. Um, I think it's track seven and track one is kind of a bookend track that's very uh track one is one day optimistic and looking toward unrealistic but cheerful things happening in the future (laughs) and this one is the halfway point where um it didn't go quite according to plan it's not all terrible from here but it's one moment to stop and you know assess the surroundings and take in where we are and where i am is not where I thought I'd be, but um, but again, it's not a. It's definitely not an end of the story kind of song. So in chapter two, if there were chapters, and there were two of them, maybe part two, um, it starts off on a somewhat more contemplative foot, I'll say, but. Um, Then the album goes on from there and ends in a different place. So it's not the end of the story, but it is a a midway point. And that's it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. I'll go ahead and close us out with the song.
2: When I can't sleep when I can't sleep I don't regret